0: so we've just
1: finished up our halloween series and the resident evil episode is now out there and in the beginning we're joking you brought up the movie copland and we were talking about sylvester stallone's uh like the manner in which he speaks and um I was watching Red Letter Media's new, uh, was it Wheel the Worst? One of their best of the worst. And at one point, Svester Stallone came up. And Chelsea knew this, and I didn't know this. But but apparently when he was being born, they, I guess, were using tongs, and they crushed his skull. Jesus Christ. And that's as an infant, and like as a newborn. And that's why he has kind of a sagging lip. And I guess as to why he speaks that way. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Which we, we were very openly joking about that for like maybe, I mean a lot of
2: people joke about that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I still think that line in that movie is hilarious, but I didn't know yeah. that and Chelsea was like, yeah. For those who don't know, it's like an internet series where they just watch like random VHS tapes. And it was like an exercise video with celebrity parents. And it was Robin Williams' mom. Was it like De Niro's dad? And then Yeah, I don't know, I didn't watch it yet. Uh, it's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> and it was it was <laughs> Sylvester Stallone's mom. And she's told that story. No, oh. no. But she does like look like
0: him, except yeah. except they brought... her skull is crushed. <laughs>
1: Well, she has a little bit of a lip sag too, which is—I don't know if that family is a lineage of botched births by doctors. with who are like two liberal. See, now you took the
2: joke and made it way worse.
3: It's <laughs> a <laughs> fundamental question of nature versus nurture. Yeah. Are, are we born with lip sags, or did we just happen to? Wasn't,
1: have happen uh, no. No. And she was giving birth to him. She was like, "I know how to do this, guys," and then instructed them, and then they—yeah.
2: <laughs> oh boy. So I don't
0: get it. What a
3: celebrity.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't make fun of people unless you know what kind of object pulled them out of the womb <laughs> and whether or not it crushed their skull.
1: So we still don't have an answer for Christopher Walken though who also came up and I don't know
2: what that birth was like.
0: Whatever, I'll lean on the fact that he's wealthy and I hate wealthy people. Yeah, <laughs> That's sure. why I can make fun of him.
2: Yeah, he has enough money. <laughs> yeah, he can
3: get rid of his quite, skull shame. It's called punching
2: up. Look it up in the comedy dictionary, people.
3: <laughs> well, then the question is how much money would it take? How much would you trade to, uh, fit- to crush your skull? Well, that- <laughs> you know how much money would it take? <laughs>
1: We're in the wrong business. $10,000. dollars we professional skull crushers. You let me crush your
0: skull <laughs> for $10,000. I let you crush or my skull, skull for
1: free. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. That's... Yeah. Well, unless
1: it'll, it'll change your speaking pattern so much that it becomes synonymous with your personality and identity to the point that actually makes you more yeah. individual. And... Yeah, yeah, I think and then it you also be in Rambo. Just kill it. <laughs> yeah, but then you also got to be in the new Rambo. Oh, no. $20,000. <laughs> $20,000. All right, uh, gentlemen, it's fall of 2005, and all is not right with the world of it's 2019, Warcraft.
2: 2019, dude. You're off. <laughs> oh, sorry.
1: Bodies are littering the streets of Ironforge. Bones are decaying in the alleys of Orgrimmar. Neighboring cities are in an absolute panic. This week, we're going to talk about how a simple programming oversight accidentally created their own in-game version of SARS. (laughs) What many users thought was going to be a fun update that would introduce a whole new raid and boss actually ended up becoming an (laughs) epidemical nightmare, the likes of which no MMO had ever seen. How did this happen? I have no idea, but luckily we have someone here who does, Mr. Dan Bittner. Hey, good to be here. Yeah, welcome to the podcast, finally. You've got a good, I think, like radio-speaking voice. It's got a nice, as as opposed to the three of us who have annoying voices. This has
2: been in the works for a while. I'm very glad we delayed it, though, because now I have wow (laughs) experience. Because I went to Dan because I had none, but now that I've played some classic, I can kind of speak to it. But he's he's still still the expert. I
1: played back then a little bit. uh, But uh, for those at home, this is Hot Button. I'm Randall Beatrice, here as always with Austin Blakesley. Yeah, yeah. And Chris Anantuano as well. You. So, how's everybody feeling? Great. Really like good yeah, after excited. last night yeah <laughs> awesome yeah. Yeah. N- yeah not I don't think the four of us got much sleep probably no, last night not much uh, yeah no
0: <laughs> <So>. I didn't <laughs> just so to fill everybody in huge orgy at Randall's house last night <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all tired Man, we should have started earlier yeah so I have not played much wow well. I played a little bit in I guess this was probably around 04 when it first came out maybe 05. Yeah, I'm and not sure.
3: It was a little when bit Burning Crusade 2005. That was 2007. Burning Crusade was 2007. Yeah, because I was actually just starting college at that point. I
1: remember the box that I have was the big, not the, the battle war che- chest. No, no, because I think that came with Burning Crusade. It
2: did. Yeah. It? So no, I, I, I bought.
1: I still have it in my house. It's an old box, and it, there's a giant sticker on it. It's like we just hit one million players, like, <laughs> which you know compared to what they would get to. So, but I don't have the most experience, but I have seen both Outbreak. And contagion, so let's get into it. (laughs) What could have my poor human hunter have done to survive this disaster?
2: (laughs) all right Oh human. Alliance.
1: (laughs) I was alliance.
2: I'm horde now. Um, Are you? I'm all all in. Are you both horde? Yes. Horde. Okay, so before we get into this whole thing, Mm -hmm. I realize we've done Mm -hmm. now three. This will be our third MMO episode. And for the layman, we've never actually explained like the mechanics of an MMO. So I'm going to go down a brief history of Warcraft, then me and Dan are going to go down, like, a rundown of what an MMO is, then we'll get into the story.
1: Okay. A lot of people probably don't know how far back Warcraft really does go. Yes.
2: So, World of Warcraft, for those that somehow don't know, is a massively <laughs> multiplayer episode. online no. role-playing <laughs> game developed by the probably the one big company we haven't really covered Blizzard, Blizzard Entertainment. Who in the There's uh, nothing to cover. They they, <laughs> they they pretty straight
0: and narrow. Usually, yeah, they're right? doing really well right, yeah, right now. now. Yeah. yeah.
2: So BlizzCon is a week. By the friend. time this comes out, BlizzCon will have happened, yeah. and Overwatch Two and Diablo Four, which totally didn't leak when this is being recorded, <laughs> yeah. will have been announced. We're gonna seem like we can predict the future. Guys. <laughs> yeah, guys, we're gonna make Overwatch Two. I'm a fortune teller. We have not seen blizzcon or the aftermath of that this yeah, is not an episode fun. about what blizzard is
1: currently going through i'm excited for blizzcon <laughs> never mind that we had a, uh, an episode also
2: a month ago about called hong kong K-97. 97 yeah, so. yeah.
1: <laughs> we timed these very well <laughs> both topics that have been yeah, on the another thing, thing
2: that maybe even some people that play world of warcraft which i will from this point on refer to as wow i'm sorry what does that stand for <laughs> world of warcraft <laughs> oh um <laughs> is the fourth game in the Warcraft series. Uh, the first three were real-time strategy games, which is... Yeah, Warcraft
1: 5 is coming. To get announced going,
2: <laughs> no, Warcraft 3 Remastered, Oh, dude. yeah, yeah. Which will actually become important, and Dan will get to that in a bit. But those were real time strategy games, games where you have an overhead view and you build buildings and build up armies and then attack each other. I love RTS. Yeah, come see me. That's, that's why
1: I, I looked through script and I was like, "Oh, Warcraft three. That was my Warcraft." We really but...
3: kind of reached the the, the end RTS of, kind, is of that. kind of dying yeah. off. Really, I mean,
1: people say that MOBAs were what did that.
3: I can yeah. see
1: that. Well, um, MOBAs sort of became, I guess, an evolution of it, and then nobody looked back. I say I
0: Civ and Total War are probably like the oh, last. Oh, that's yeah. true. But they're, they're kind, true. kind of like hybrid. RTS, they're, like, not they're, like not, a they're not, they're not
3: really. It's not like Red Alert or Starcraft or anything. I mean, like. I think they're. Are they fundamentally Even RTS? I thought the RTS has had you had to be doing it in real That's time. That's true. Like, that they would be a real time, time yeah, I guess uh, uh, Total uh, War is real total time. time. Total oh, is the is battle, it, is battle is real Civilization is time, turn-based strategy.
0: Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah.
1: It is funny though because when Blizzard had that however long year plan for StarCraft Two, and when Sons of Liberty came out, it was like a huge deal. And then by the time the last expansion came out, the Protoss one, everybody was kind of like, eh, and moved on. <laughs> it was kind of sad. Like I like StarCraft. It was- yeah. It just doesn't have the same um, power. I play for free. Y- yeah, I think it's
2: Starcraft. Another Blizzard RTS. Yeah, that one's in space. Warcraft is in the past. <laughs> hell. For those <laughs> that don't know, uh, I mean, with modern WoW expansions, yeah. they're pretty much in space as well. So oh, Di- I didn't know that. And Diablo's yeah. in hell. So yeah, they got all I mean, they got everywhere covered. <laughs> Africa with Overwatch. Hell with Diablo. I think Overwatch China takes place. half of their business. <laughs> Overwatch takes place in more places than that. There are three Warcraft games before World of Warcraft. The first being Warcraft, Orcs, and Humans in November 23rd, 1994. Did not play that. I don't have the dates for the other two, but November 23rd is an important date. Can and you I'll get find to that.
1: those old games
2: like Warcraft yeah. One? Like, can you play that? You can. I don't know if you can it's legally not on their play it. a launcher
1: or anything. Like, I was
2: talking to Dan about this a while ago. It's uh, just weird how the like where, where like they're remastering Warcraft 3 and he was like, "Well, yeah, obviously Warcraft 3 is the most popular mm. one." And I was like, "Yeah, but there are so many people <laughs> who played that and Wow who have never touched 1 and 2 because they're so That's old true. and hard to find."
1: Remaster Rock and Roll Racing Blizzard.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, and then a year later in December 95, we have Warcraft 2 Tides of Darkness or Tide of Darkness? I don't remember which one. it's Tide. And then in July of 2002, Warcraft 3 Reign of Chaos, the popular one that yep. was the the 3D one but World of Warcraft actually started development around 1999 or 2000 i have varying reports in my notes Around 1999 or 2000, a couple years before Warcraft 3 came out, it started because this was around the time that EverQuest was really big. EverQuest came out in 98? Either 98 or 99. I think it
3: might be. When did EverQuest Uh, 2 come out? I want to say
2: it was probably 99. Okay. So the game was announced before the release of Warcraft 3 in September of 2001. And it had some differences, some very fundamental differences with EQ, which yes. is the shortened version of EverQuest for those that don't
1: EQN know. EQ and WoW? Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: this
3: is, so one of the areas that I can definitely speak to is... A lot of Warcraft's development was really influenced by how it contrasted with EverQuest because EverQuest was kind of right. uh, that was the big MMO that was kind of the precursor. Yeah, to Yeah, I Wild. remember seeing posters and shit at Best Buy. Yeah. Yeah, they had the other <laughs> computer setups in there. Like I don't know if any of your
0: Best Buys did. They had like live computers where you could play games. Oh yeah, games and yeah shit. for a little yeah.
3: while. So Jeff Kaplan of Overwatch fame yes. and of, Warcraft <laughs> of Dino was Flags. actually he was actually a guild leader or a big raider during really? EverQuest, and you can actually <laughs> he's great. actually infamous for complaining about the designs of different raids wow. and different things in EverQuest complaining can and, ironically, you a job and now works on himself so that's pretty good yeah now he's um, on the other side yeah. where the people are complaining to him all the time but the thing about that influenced so much of WoW's development is really making decisions that contrasted with what was done in EverQuest because you can really sum up EverQuest as just mm. being a massively punishing game
1: like un- not welcoming to new people uh, or just unforgiving or?
3: unforgiving okay. unforgiving and i'm definitely going to when it becomes relevant bring up the contrasts um, okay. Because they really did not think about EverQuest in terms of game balance. They really didn't think about things mm. in that way at the time. It was really about kind of building a world in that sense. Yeah, so I mean there had... wasn't
1: a lot of blueprint I guess to go off not of. Really yeah, exactly.
3: This is one of the first. So, <laughs> yeah. so WoW was really designed with much more of making it more palatable to.
2: So they watch the that and they're like, this yeah. is what we'll, we we yeah. won't do, and this is what <laughs> which we which is will. funny because now <laughs> smart. WoW Classic is considered punishing. That's
3: the interesting. <laughs> point. Part, yeah,
2: right? compared to like new MMOs. You really have a kind of sliding scale. Yes, yeah, that's
3: exactly true because WoW Classic is seen as beneficial compared to Modern WoW because it was more difficult, but... Games like EverQuest were much, much yeah. more punishing than WoW Classic. Yes. I, I
1: found like Guild Wars like way more palatable than Warcraft. Yes, when for in, a like, vanilla Warcraft, good. right? Yes.
0: Guild Wars. I think like, there are some. Think, yeah. yeah,
1: but the, Guild Wars was uh, was kind of the first big game that was more instanced.
3: Yeah, and I don't know but, when Final Fantasy XI came out. It was ooh, it was similar to that to OPS EverQuest too, in its
2: design. Final Fantasy XI was around about I want to say 2003. I think it was think a little before wow because it was also you were right by the
1: way everquest 1 was 98 everquest 2 was actually 2004 which was the same year as Uh, wow i think i said
3: 99 you were correct oh no no it it is 99 i'm sorry yeah it was 99 you were right i think kunark was either 2000 or 2001 and maybe Velius was 2001 somewhere along those few years (laughs) was the the timeline of classic eq Mm.
2: so Like I said, for those that don't know, a bit of a rundown on WoW specifically, but mostly MMOs. And this is where the comparisons between WoW and EverQuest are going to come up. So for those that don't know, MMO stands for Massively Multiplayer Online. And because of the way the world is structured, instead of joining a match with 15 other players, you're joining a server with thousands of other players. And running these servers is not cheap. So, no. players are required to pay $15 a month, usually, to play the game. It's changed now. There are a lot of free-to-play MMOs with, like, bonus subscriptions for yeah. 15 Final Fantasy is still subscription-based. Final Fantasy, still, yeah. so is WoW. And both Fallout of Fallout 76. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're getting too tough. I know, <laughs> I'm sorry. Fallout first. Was EverQuest a uh,
1: Yes, it was. Yeah. Subscription.
2: So, it's $15 a month to play WoW, specifically, and Final Fantasy. And players create a character in the world of Azeroth, which is the world of World of Warcraft, Um, (laughs) and they pick a team which we kind of briefly touched on, the Alliance or the Horde. Yeah. And this is important because the continents are divided up into safe areas for one team which are very dangerous for the other team (laughs) and then you have contested areas where both players have quests to do and they can attack each other. Yeah. It's a cool idea! And you start start at a different place. Each side has a number of races to choose from, all of which are from warcraft 3 the alliance have the humans the night elves the gnomes and the dwarves and a couple others now after a bunch of expansions but this is <laughs> classic world of warcraft there were four no cat
1: people you no. had
2: cat people yeah in the <laughs> <laughs> that was in lucklin which was after Velius. and then i was a human horde has orcs Undead. (laughs) I didn't want to be any freaks. Tarin, which are like cow people. And then the (laughs) Trolls, who are Jamaican punks and they're the best. (laughs) (laughs) They have mohawks and they speak in Jamaican accents. They're my favorite. You know what Austin is? (laughs) Hell yeah. But in addition to choosing a race, players choose a class and these classes fill certain roles this is bourgeoisie yes. or proletariat <laughs> <Yes. laughs> the available classes for the game are warrior druid rogue warlock mage priest hunter shaman and paladin originally shamans being only playable by the horde and paladins only being playable by the yeah. alliance they're the healers no paladins are like it, paladins were Palad com- healer. and in, in vanilla they were basically every class that
3: could heal was forced to heal Essentially. Okay. I wants a priest. They weren't balanced. So the <laughs> roles
2: the roles here for those that don't know the holy trinity of the MMO, tanks, DPS and healers. Healers heal people obviously. <laughs> DPS damage per second. They just do damage to everything and tanks sit there and take all the hits and have a bunch of health yeah. so that the weak people doing all the damage don't get killed
1: and those terms would kind of like grow on to be used even well outside the genre like people i oh, think
2: oh, i say oh. it virtually every kind of game that follows any sort of i guess the team tactics, team right. tactics requires yeah, yeah tanks healers and damage dealers but after building a character picking a race picking a class players start at level one in a certain zone based on their race in the big open world i said known as azeroth and then from there Before we get to raids, which are the important thing for today's story, players have to level, and players have to level by completing quests, fighting monsters, and uh, completing dungeons with other players, which dungeons are like mini-raids. Five people go into an area that if one person went into, they'd be dead. But they go in together, and that's where the roles come into play. You have one person taking all the damage, one person healing the person taking all the damage, and then three people doing all the damage. And you can group up randomly. No. No. Not in WoW. Not in okay. v- uh, Classic. Oh, you not have in to Classic. F- you have okay. to find a group. There's no yeah. matchmaking. Okay. You got to spam that chat and be like, yo, yeah. I need a tank. <laughs> but Dan's going to take it here and explain kind of the... No, like AI leveling differences between EQ and WoW, and why EQ is so punishing in this area. <laughs>
3: so this is kind of where I wanted to, again, bring up where EverQuest Yeah. Uh, really was it a lot grindier, or just...? EverQuest was much, much grindier, <laughs> okay. and that's kind of what I wanted to address here with my little example, because it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, like I said before, EverQuest really wasn't designed with balance in mind as much as WoW really was. So my example is, In EQ, classes and races had both experience penalties and bonuses based on what you selected. So if you say it played like a halfling warrior, which are like hobbits, halflings got a 5% bonus experience and warriors got a 10%. And these were multiplicative. So what would happen is you multiply that and from like a baseline 100% experience needed to level a halfling's going to level at 85.5%. That's how much experience they need to level than some like baseline human cleric. As a contrast, if you played like an Ixar Shadow Knight and Ixar were like lizard people, Ixar got a 20% penalty and Shadow Knights a 40% penalty and that multiplied to taking 168% experience of your baseline to level. So if you you grouped your Halfling Warrior and your Ixar Shadow Knight, that Shadow Knight would need two times the experience to level. And this compounded itself because the way experience was distributed the experience you got from a kill was divided up based on how much your character had accumulated. So to be an equal level Shadow Knight and Halfling, if you wanna be both 15, that Shadow Knight's had to accumulate twice as much experience. So he's gonna take two thirds of the experience on the kill compared to the Halfling. Are you going to want to group up with uh, someone like that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's going to happen to you? Yeah. What a weird system. That is a weird. And and this is before you could, like,
1: patch stuff, like, as aggressively
3: as. (laughs) This didn't get fixed until Velius, where some of these penalties were removed. But you can see this is the kind of thing that they really did not understand what no. this game balance would do to things. Yeah. And, and when you talked about grindiness, when you asked about that, so reaching max in WoW might take you like two months if you're really slow about it. You can do it in probably a month if you're committed. If you, to leveling to max in classic EQ probably took like six months to a year. It was a <sighs> massive investment.
1: I imagine the people that hit that, it, it that is a status thing, <laughs> like.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, but well, I think it also <laughs> prohibits people to play that kind of class. Probably, if you knew yeah, you had a that kind of penalties, exactly. you wouldn't play problem. that. Yeah. the problem with it. The game that system. <laughs> Everybody would probably pick
2: like at least. If I were, I'd be like, all right, give me the guy who levels, levels up you. the best <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I was like, to, to for an example of that, like. I unknowingly picked one of the hardest classes to level in, in <laughs> WoW Classic because I like priests in Hearthstone. Oh, okay. I was going to say, priests what are playing. healers, and they are the healing class, which means you don't do a lot of damage. You can, but it's not easy. And so, like, leveling in that takes me a lot longer than, say, like, our friend Josh, who's a mage, who can yeah. do way more damage than me. So he's and just... he has ways to get out. Like, if he gets attacked by too many enemies, he can get out, freeze of them in place and then run away. Whereas I just, I'm just screwed <laughs> <laughs> if I get attacked by more than one enemy. But I'm still, like, on pace to level relatively quickly with everybody else, compared to like EverQuest, where it takes, you know, double as long. Yeah,
3: And that was kind of one of the brilliant changes in WoW and making the game more accessible in the fact that every class could level on their own realistically. In EQ, as you probably found, you're fighting elite mobs, and WoW, yeah. you kind of realize you might need help doing that. You probably yeah. need a party each fight's a challenge every mob in eq was essentially an elite mob okay so they're all impossible
2: to kill Basically,
3: some classes could not realistically solo anything you had to group to level so wow yeah, okay you can see exactly what they were trying to avoid in wow's design yeah
2: yeah and then you come to the penalty one of our most important changes here the penalties of death Yes. In World of Warcraft versus death in EverQuest. So
3: as as an important part of our topic, when you're covering a rampant plague is what happens when you die, <laughs> uh, naturally. And in WoW, punishment is not too bad. You die, you kind of respawn in like a black and light world as a spirit. You've yeah. got to run physically back to your body to respawn or you can ask the spirit healer uh, to take like a 10 minute penalty for about 75. You take a debuff where your stats are reduced by 75% for 10 minutes and you take some damage your items that has to be repaired. In EQ, if you died, you would essentially return, to, you'd spawn at your home point, essentially the same as if you hearthed in WoW, and. All your items would be left on your corpse. So if (laughs) you
1: wanted, or Minecraft,
3: (laughs) if you wanted to go exactly, if you wanted to go get your stuff, you had to potentially venture down like into a dungeon where mobs might see through invisibility, like undead and regular humans had different. Yeah, you needed different visibilities. You had to retrieve your items without having any of them on you <laughs> oh, I mean, that's when you so die yeah when you die twice it, it, you die you die and you just keep losing your corpse and oh every
2: death God. is hours worth of lost experience you die you holy lose experience sh- oh. holy shit which was a big thing I played I never played EQ but I did play Final Fantasy 11 and Final Fantasy 11 yeah. took that losing experience thing from <laughs> EverQuest yeah you t- I get to like level 11 and then I fight one hard enemy and die three times and then I'm back down to level 9 <laughs> and then I have to grind my way back yeah. up to Nobody wants
1: to see the bars <laughs> go backwards. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. I heard somebody
0: talk about that the other night. I think at your house, and they were like, "Nah, I just gave up after that." Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> somebody yeah,
1: was like. <laughs> Yeah, if I if I saw the level if I saw level go the other way, I'd be like, Man. Hell "No. It sucks. Like <laughs> right? I
0: see I've done, not played a lot of MMOs, I don't really have a lot to say, but I definitely played shooters where there are related things where it's like win some gain points, lose some lose yeah, points yeah. and you're like, if you fuck up, you're stuck in this tug of yeah. war. <laughs> yeah.
3: When you died in EQ, you had to be a certain level to use your spells. You could die and lose access oh, to
0: shit, those yeah. spells. Oh shit, yeah. Oh my you're god. That sucks. You can't use so them anymore. Bad.
2: So then you're even worse off trying to get your shit yeah. back. Yeah. Now <laughs> Another important it point. It sounds like a great game. <laughs>
3: <Everquest.
2: You> can... <laughs> it, does, it does sound the like, yeah,
1: Like I mean, that's there's something to that level. Is that of... why EverQuest 3 is coming out this year? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, it was all people had, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. it like wow wasn't out yet, so it's like, well, it's I either play this with my friends or I don't. I don't. So, um, let's just say
3: there's a reason EverQuest 2 was designed more with WoW's philosophy in <laughs> mind. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. Like
2: now in most, most, but specifically WoW, it takes place in an open world, like I said, where uh, you join a certain server and then everybody else who's in that server is just constantly running around. While you're doing quests, you can run into people. You can ask them for help. You can run into people of the other side, an alliance member I don't or a horde. Them. You can kill them. <laughs> yeah. You can sit there and wait for them to respond, and then kill them again if you want. Yeah. Um, Jeez. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> and each side has capital cities. Mm-hmm. Randy mentioned two of these: Ironforge, and that was the dwarf one, right, Dan? Yes. Ironforge, Orgamar, which is like the capital for the trolls of the orcs. Then you have Thunderbluff. Is the Tarn one? That's a stupid name. Undercity is the undead one. Uh, Stormwind is the You're human stupid. one. <laughs> I don't know the other ones. Thunderbluff. Darnassus. Yeah. Darnassus. That
3: that sounds like the worst is that the, 80s
2: Okay, what's the gnome one called?
3: They were with Ironforge, similar to how trolls were. Gnomes are stupid, anyway.
2: Um, (laughs) They irradiated their own city. The best was former guest uh, Chris Nudaboom told me he's like, I went to make an alliance member and I saw the dwarves and I went, man, these guys must be the jokes of the whole game. And then he scrolled down to gnomes and said, never mind. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that is going to become very important later because these capital cities are full of players. You know, you come across a one or two players when you're out in the world questing, but there's a lot of stuff you have to go back to the capital cities to do. You have to go back there to get new spells. You have to go back there to level up your professions or whatever, your yeah. alchemy or your tailoring or whatever. You have to go back there to sell items. You have to go back there to sell items on the auction house or sell items to other players, often to group up for big things like raids. That's so where
1: everybody's hanging out. A
2: lot of people are hanging out in these yeah. in these areas, specifically at specific times where it's like, oh, raiding are usually Thursdays, so you log on on a Thursday at, like, 8 p.m., and there's literally wall-to-wall people in there. Yeah. That's uh, cool. As opposed to EQ. Yes.
3: <laughs> and EQ had what was essentially a faction system, so... You had good and evil factions. It wasn't enforced as much as WoW did with a hard divide between Horde and Alliance, but you had Dark Elves, Trolls, and Ogres that were essentially evil. So you, if you went to good cities, you would just be killed on sight. Oh. And, certain, and for example, the Ixar, which came out in the first expansion, were hated by every single other race in the game. If you went to any of those cities, you would just immediately be killed. <laughs> but at least and, you can run back easy and get your stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the worst part about this was that in WoW, you have, with like reputations, you have in most, a city could have like a single reputation. In EQ, you had a mess of different reputations. Like each guild in a city could be on a different reputations. So the paladins could be on one faction, the warriors on a different one. So you could maybe kill some things and get friendly with the guards and you walk into towns like oh, I'm good with the guards and then oh I walk by the paladins and they slaughtered me because I wasn't friendly with them and so good luck traversing the city yeah. Man,
1: that's like that's like a social experiment like, just like, like yeah, right?
2: yeah you did these capital cities in wow are safe areas yeah yeah. No matter what, well, like, because right. for I've a minute seen, it sounded like we were I've describing seen, Los Angeles in the I've early 90s. I've seen an alliance <laughs> person try to run into Orgamar before. It did not go well. I'll just say that. But if, you are, if you are somewhere. any of the races in the Horde and you walk into Orgamar or Thunderbluff or the Undercity, you are safe. You are 100% safe. Nothing is going to attack you. And if anything tries to attack you, it's another player, and they are going to get destroyed by everyone else in the city.
1: Well, you're safe unless something like what we're going to talk about today happens.
2: Well, yeah. That safety, that, when that veil of safety goes away, <laughs> yeah. things happen. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about leveling. The game starts with players at level 1. You slowly quest dungeons. At The level cap for original WoW, it's like... It's double this now, but it was 60. Yeah. Level 60 is the highest you could go. Is anybody, uh, it's is, 120 now? It's 120 I, now. Is it's anybody cool. 60 in World Classic? Chris, uh, Josh, Chad? Yes. Fr- Chris's friend, Chad. What are you guys right now? 31. 49. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Get
1: to it when you slack. Yeah. When,
2: when a player reaches level 60, they are able to complete something that I've mentioned before but is going to be very important to our story, something called Raids. I've only done those in destiny, yeah, because <laughs> destiny requires six people, yeah, wow requires 700? Like yeah. yeah. um. <laughs> They're like the dungeons I mentioned before, but instead of five people, it's 20 or 40 people. How do you, uh, or- how do you organize know, that, that require, yeah. like, There's like six
1: of us playing Destiny trying not to talk over each other. Yeah. How the fuck they is it? They require
2: <laughs> insane amounts of coordination, insane amounts of players, and insane amounts of time. Yeah. They are, they're a lot longer. They're challenging. And the important part is Destiny does this too, so you would be familiar with this, like, there are mechanics that in yeah. raids that don't really exist no, anywhere else in the game. That's makes raids
1: so fucking cool. Yeah. Like, that's why they're like, such a priority. Yeah, every for...
2: other, like the dungeons is just like, hey, we got to kill this guy. So like kill everything around him and then we're going to kill this guy. Raids is like, don't stand in this spot when it's green because then you might get this debuff, which then th- will lead to this debuff, yeah. which then will lead to this. The thing about, for those of you that play Destiny that don't know about WoW, is that when you wipe, you gotta do the whole thing over again, essentially. Well you you don't have to. How did like might not lead to people killing other people. Um, I like, <laughs> guess so, so angry. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a specific thing that is very important to our story. Instancing. Yeah. Now you mentioned Guild Wars being yes. instanced. Yeah. What that means is you are playing on a server with a bunch of other people. When you go into an instance, you're basically like teleported to another dimension essentially, where you can't really interact with anybody except for the people that are in your party. yeah. And nothing can come in to get you, and you can't really leave that instance until you're ready to leave or you're done the dungeon. You kind of have to do that. In the regular world, if somebody kills an enemy you need to kill, it respawns and then you gotta wait for it to respawn. In an instance, that enemy is there for you to kill. Nobody else can come kill it. That was some
1: of my experience playing early WoW, was waiting for enemies to respawn to
2: complete certain Um. quests. With a bunch of other people doing the same thing. a lot of these raids, Dan's going to go over it, raids and instancing worked differently in Mm. EverQuest. (laughs) So I promise this will be the last time I make a comparison to EverQuest. (laughs) No, it's it's
3: super interesting. (laughs) It it really is interesting to kind of see where the differences fall and see how it influenced WoW's design. But as as you mentioned, and maybe anyone who played WoW Classic uh, on launch might have noticed... You were sitting there waiting for something to respawn with about (laughs) 100 other people competing for it. Imagine if... EverQuest didn't have instancing, so imagine if that was everything you did, especially raids where you're trying to fight some super powerful boss or you're going to fight into a dungeon and this boss might respawn on a weekly time limit and you have like 200 people sitting there (laughs) waiting for this respawn so they can all... (laughs) Because WoW is 40, man. Yeah. You have a limit. You kind of have a structure to how these engagements go. EverQuest is just a brutal melee where 200 people are fighting to get this kill. Oh, um, Doesn't oh, it, does it divide up who... Touches it the same way. Uh, no, there's no tagging. Most <laughs> damage, no tagging? most damage takes it. <laughs> oh my so, god. So, so wait, you're a saying bit of that you yeah. yeah. a bloodbath.
2: <laughs>
0: you could have shit. like you'd be doing a dungeon per se, and somebody could just come in and snipe your boss kill out from <laughs> under you. That's, that's, if they do
3: more damage, I guess the theoretically. You have to, to realize how much of a massive clusterfuck it EQ it was is, like. Is. It. And, and, and wow, if you aggro something, and you don't want to fight it, you run like maybe 50 meters away. It yeah. resets back to its spawn. It just It fades. It runs back to its starting location where it began. It leaves everything else alone. No problem. You're fine. EQ, you had to run to the zone line. You'd have to run out of the barrens if you want something to leave you alone. And when you actually escaped, mobs didn't just reset perfectly. They walked back to their spawn, and they could attack things on the way. So if you (laughs) were deep in a dungeon, you were deep in a a dungeon... (laughs) You pulled something. I can't take this fight. I'm going to run to the zone line. (laughs) Everything else in the dungeon groups up in a nice little ball, a train. It comes to the zone line. You escape. Everyone at the z- zone line ain't so lucky, because now those those monsters so that were like deep in like, the dungeon
0: It's like, oh, <laughs> it like mining a rock. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, level one, my first day in this game, it's like, it's like a demon that Somebody lured to a town. And it's like, That's there.
3: exactly That's so it, good. because the beginning of the dungeon might be like, oh, look at all those little newbies having a, a, a nice, yeah. fresh time. And then something from deep in the dungeon just gets to the zone line and slaughters everyone along Jesus. the way. Yeah. What a so, fucking chaotic game! Uh, yeah. You can see. Sounds charming in a different know, way. Now, yeah, imagine. now I'm into it again. Now yeah. I'm back
1: around.
0: I think it was awesome. See
3: what WoW was trying to
2: avoid. <laughs> yeah. With yeah.
0: No wonder arc. it was the biggest fucking game ever. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like these these dungeons, these raids too. Were there was a lot of structure around them, right? You like you join a guild, and then you have like 80 people in that guild, and then you're just like, okay, it's Thursday. Who's at work? Who's taking care of their kid? Who's available? And then you you know you get. 40 people and you go do this raid the crux of like sort of an MMO is that the game does not end when you hit the max level there's more to do. The yeah. end game seems to be the crux of every fucking game now. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> How
1: cool but, can you make your character look after you've done everything? Yeah. I don't want. To, I just want to play for seven hours and say it was good and go home. <laughs> but um. But what if you could have like a sparkly helmet? But, <laughs> but obviously,
2: like I said, running these servers isn't cheap. You need people to continue to be subscribed, and in order to continue, you can only run the same raid so many times. So probably takes a lot of work making Blizzard. Raids too. Yeah, they would frequently add new content. Sometimes. It would be like PvP content, but oftentimes it would be new raids, new raids for, for people to tackle. And then you have that whole classic race to be the first in the server to complete the raid, which is it kind of takes on a mind of its own. Anyway, now that we've described it, we're going to go back and talk about World of Warcraft was released on November 23rd, 2004, which is exactly 10 years after the first Warcraft. To the day I was playing Half Life 2, I think. Yeah, <laughs> having played both, I can say now that Wow is a better game. Oh, I'll
1: <laughs> leap over this table.
2: Yeah. No, just kidding.
1: Yeah, neither one of them's got an ending, but <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> the reason, the same shit there. Here, this one line in my script is the reason for Dan going over all of those differences to call World of Warcraft a success is a huge yeah. understatement yeah it's true uh, this they got game a movie this game lit the world on fire and then some yeah <laughs> Yo, there's no
0: everquest movie <laughs> where there's 200 people trying to go into the same movie because there's no tickets it's just whoever sho- whoever shows up can watch the movie whenever they want.
2: <laughs> and if you want to somebody can just tear down the screen and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> but Dan's so, going to gonna go over some of uh, the reasons why. Yeah. So,
3: I think at its height, AirQuest might have had a couple hundred thousand players sometime in that early vanilla area. Yeah. WoW maxed out at somewhere, I think, around uh, 10 million or something. Close to, yeah. close to that. I, was just saying, I think it was, was like, that, 12 like 12 million. million. Yeah. That's, just that's, same.
1: that's why I think it's so funny. That sticker on the box was like, we just hit a million players, and it's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's the beginning. And that's... <laughs>
3: What I was trying to highlight with all those this comparisons to EQ and understanding how much more friendly to the average person it was, you also had, and what we kind of discussed with how there were so many predecessor games, you had a lot of advantages going into this game in that design. And that yeah, there was already had, a
1: world technically. Y- exactly, yeah, you got yeah. a
3: fan base where if someone's going to Stormwind, they know what Stormwind is. They if they had played the first two games, yeah, yeah. they'd have heard of Stormwind. They'd have context for what they're doing. If someone tells you, oh, go to like Stormwind, or go to Ironforge, or go to like some town, and they look like they, they should, they,
1: yeah, like, they mm-hmm.
3: they know where they're going. They have context for what they're doing. It's not they know the lore and the characters. And so they feel part of this world much more than when you're kind of going into some yeah. fresh yeah. RPG. When you they're
1: know. like, and there go were like talk, ten years of this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Go like,
2: talk to the war chief, and then you go to the war chief, and it's thrall, and you're like, yeah. oh shit, I know this guy. Yeah. Like, you know. I, this is what we <laughs> were talking cool. about
1: with uh, a friend of ours, Conroy. He was he yeah. was talking about how like he was already into that universe because of these previous games. So yes. It's like. That's super cool.
2: The thing a lot of games don't do now. Like Anthem is a prime example of this where yeah. they like they develop all of this lore and they're like, people care about lore. So before we make our game, we need to write like volumes and volumes of books and you don't <laughs> understand that like People don't want to sit there for four hours and read lore before they play your game. It's gonna happen gradually. They want to learn the lore yeah. in the game. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I think uh, the other night make an you an anthem one he, yeah, and exactly. then explain it and then make yeah. an anthem two later and then you can have your lore. Like <laughs> the yeah, exactly.
1: the comparison you made the other night was the difference between what the MCU did and then what the dc
2: movies did yes where
1: like the mcu like started small it was like all right here's our iron Dan- man movie and then you you get to know iron man and then like here's our captain america movie and then eventually when they work up to avengers it feels like a big deal as opposed to dc where they're just like justice league and you're just like who's cyborg what why do i care about any of it yeah i talked
2: Dan about this he made the great point that like The first game is called Warcraft Orcs versus Humans. It is literally the most (laughs) generic fantasy bullshit. Green guy, (laughs) white guy. (laughs) And then, like, from there, they added shit like the Night Elves and the Undead, and from there they developed this world, and then WoW came out, like the MCU. It takes
1: time. No, every game company wants the phenomenon right out of the gate. Yeah.
2: whereas now they're like the division the dollar flu there's this <laughs> faction you're just like it's a DC the, yeah. the constitution is no longer a thing you're like I just want to shoot people I just I like I like what
1: you were saying though is that it takes a sequel like division 2 comes out and they just throw out the last game and they're like they they just like try again with yeah. a, something also huge and ambitious and like yeah. grandiose and you're like what Yes, the fucking. game itself is not ambitious, but it just more means like, no, I know. You uh, mean. Yeah, like every story is the is the most world affecting thing like yeah. immediately, and you're just like, I don't know who anyone is. It's, why I... that it's
0: like, why should I care? Yeah, it, I, I see. Like especially with Anthem, there's some like theoretical cool story writing there. Like if you just like, I don't know how much of it you guys played at all, but it's just like, I played the beta. there's that was potentially enough for me. some cool stuff there, and it's just like. But well, unfortunately, that game just sucks, so I would yeah. never play it to learn it. But I don't know. You're right. You got to gradually build up to that shit. You That's can't just it's like, a, yeah, like expect with, people
1: to be like with Warcraft. Sold in the your framework world. is there. Yeah. Like, like it's almost interesting that Bungie did Destiny, which like, and I'm always like campaigning for like a new you know IP. But like, imagine if that was a Halo project instead. Yeah, because And they already just had this universe established. It'd probably like, be killer still. <laughs> yeah, because they, they already have these hugely successful first-person shooters that have their own lore and novels and comics yeah. and everything. And people know those characters and, and those uh, like alliances and those motivations. Bungie
0: had clout. And yeah. they also kind of gradually did the lore by, you know, not having it in the game.
1: Yeah, yeah, by, <laughs> yeah by having to, like, look up online and read these cards or whatever. Yeah, the Grimoire
2: cards, remember those? Oh, man. That's yeah. how you get we somebody invested in could, your lore and don't have it at first. <laughs> yeah. we, but we, if you really want to get yeah. invested, you got to read it. Yeah, make it yeah. work for it. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. As we kind of, Austin, we talked earlier, following this theme of having these previous games to kind of set up the lore, it actually set up the design of the world in the sense that the game was designed so that you were basically a character in an RTS. So they could take buildings, copy and paste them in different parts of the world. And it actually made sense in the context because it's an RTS, so of course all the buildings look the same. So we're not just (laughs) lazy and and reusing (laughs) it. It's actually like being in RTS. And Mm -hmm. as Austin informed me, which I didn't know, It was actually built in the Warcraft Three engine. Yeah. So it really. Oh
2: wait, really? It's like oh, that's kind of wild. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're essentially playing Warcraft Three in third person. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's that's see, I think that's way cooler that you're finding your place as a piece of this bigger world, as it instead just being centered around you. Like instead, it's already this established. Like I mean,
2: that's that's the point of raids, isn't it? Where it's like, yeah. you're never going to be powerful enough to take down Ragnaros. Mm-hmm. You need 40 people to do it. Yeah. No matter how hard you and, try, and, and, you're and never going to be powerful l- enough. Uh, yeah. Like you,
1: you were saying, that's very much an RTS. Where it's like, you need <laughs> yep. a team of units exactly. that are all like working together in the right way.
0: It, it and, really
3: does play into that fantasy aspect of, you've seen the world in all the previous games, so you know the world you're going into... The RTS kind of copy and paste, it really puts you into that world of being in a like RTS unit and kind of really brings the world to life in that aspect, as well as making changes that are not uh, as punishing as EQ and and much more, a much more streamlined experience for a casual player. That's Mm -hmm.
1: definitely like hugely contrasted against the God complex that most video games kind of like. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. But yeah. After highlighting all that, it should come as no surprise that critically, this game received glowing reviews. Yeah. I couldn't find anything below a 9. A lot of 10s. A lot of people applauding the improved pace over things like EverQuest, <laughs> uh, as well as how yeah. unpunishing it was, having a good story that was tied into the former games, the yeah. RTSs, and interesting races and classes. It didn't look like somebody copy and pasted stuff out of a Lord of the Rings movie. It's very cartoony and it's very it's got a lot of personality. they kept that aesthetic. Which uh, is how Warcraft 3 looked, right? They just took yeah, the yeah. aesthetic of War yeah, Warcraft 3, totally. but that's what made Warcraft 3 so popular, so sure. And obviously the game received a lot of awards, editors' choices from this magazine and that magazine, Game of the Year from this place and that place. And this is 2004. I think uh, Academy of Arts and Sciences So this is when Half-Life 2 came out. And this was also (laughs) when Halo (laughs) 2 came out. Man, what a fucking year. So they beat out two of the best games of all time for Game of the Year from a lot of places, and it makes sense. You think physics are interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And not only critically, but also commercially, as I said... The game set the world on fire. The game sold millions of copies and had around one and a half million subscribers like at launch.
1: I knew people in Um, high school that got into WoW who weren't even huge gamers.
2: Like that's how infectious it was. And the numbers were growing by the millions yearly. And it's hard to tell exactly what the numbers are because Blizzard's really the only one that knew that. But reports say that the game was around 8 million by the time Burning Crusade came out.
1: I remember Burning Crusade being a big deal. Yes.
2: That That came out three years later in 2007, so they had a lot of time to build up subscribers. They were at like 8 million by the time. And obviously, this game became the new benchmark for MMOs, and as we all know, being people who looked into the video game industry, spawned a billion copycats. And, oh, and, and, we we and should so do episodes <laughs> about a
1: bunch of failed and, MMOs. And well, yeah, we, we did like, one. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Our first <laughs> well, episode is that.
2: about a WoW copycat that, that, that failed. It could be argued now that WoW's been around for long enough that Final Fantasy XIV is digging into it pretty heavily. But They,
1: they just released their uh, expansion but, recently,
2: too. and not, not many people... Before, right?
1: yeah. Or, well, they, yeah, they've had a bunch, but I know that they just had a big one. Not
2: many people were able to dethrone WoW. And a lot tried. No,
1: especially culturally, like <laughs> yes. that. Yeah, yeah, the fact that it did get its own feature film and that it was as big as it was in terms of like worldwide box office says that this is something that people absolutely care about.
2: Now, our actual story and the reason we are here begins a little less than a year after the launch of the game on September 13th, 2005. Yeah, this was early. Blizzard updated the game to add a new raid named, and Dan, correct me if I'm pronouncing this I wrong. I can't pronounce that. <laughs> I want to see this. Zul'Gurub. Garub. Grub. all <laughs> Sounds like a Star Wars character. Um, <laughs> yeah. All the trolls. Which, which had... racially insensitive Star Wars which character can, is that? <laughs> Dan can take the, uh, the explanation of this because I never experienced it. It's not in Classic yet. So. so I played Classic WoW about
3: at the end of the vanilla life cycle. So most of the raids, it might have been a little before next, but most of the raids that would come out in vanilla were out by that point. Mm-hmm. So this was a little before my time. But Zelgarub was released in patch 1.7. And this was the first 20 man raid. As we kind of oh, talked wow. about earlier, hurting 40, 40 people, people to get, with, get with something done is quite an achievement. And up until this point, you had three 40 man raids you had Molten Core, Anixia, and Blackwing Lair. It's kind of cool
1: the, they scaled it back a little bit like to try and help it people. More, yeah.
3: This raid was kind of an introductory one in that it was more attainable for the average player. Was it, so it actually easier? Like it the, was about at the difficulty of Molten Core, so probably about tier one, like the first one. So it was an introductory okay. one. Was it shorter? Shorter, mm, we'll go over the, I'll <laughs> talk about, I'll talk okay, about that. Okay, all right. Sorry. Shorter, it did some things that were interesting in contrast to the, kind of the other three raids. And okay. Then this was an outdoor raid. Every all the other ones where you're you're in deep mountains and molten caverns, lava and, cave and caverns and exactly. Okay. This was an outdoor kind of jungle one where you could actually like mount up and ride around. Oh, and that's cool. It wasn't a all linear. Right. It was kind of a circle around a central temple point. And you could kind of go to any part of this circle and fight one of the bosses there. So you had a choice of who you actually wanted to do and what order you wanted to do them. And this contrast kind of made it a much more interesting raid than some of the other ones. And the nonlinearity was kind of like a refreshing change of pace. And a lot more people did this yeah. raid because of that.
1: Oh, like so you know. they made it appealing, right? <laughs> like <laughs> Before it fucked everyone up. <laughs>
3: Austin's going to go into the yeah. star of the show oh, so okay. our raid. boss uh,
2: yeah, the non the linearity right. of it there were five priests that five were resurrecting priests. their essentially their god or whatever yes. or their leader the trolls all have animal um, gods, yeah so they were weird. all trolls dope I assume our uh, god is the
1: end boss here the yes, end sir. boss okay. by the name
2: of Hakar of Zolgarub. Uh, you sure this isn't Star Wars? No. <laughs> uh, they have a Star Wars MMO. It didn't do as well. I played Galaxies? <laughs> oh, that one too. Believe... Oh, wait, what was the other one? Old He's... Republic. Oh, right, yeah. He was Hakar the That's Soul doing way Flayer. Better. Hakar the Soul Flayer was his, his in game name. My DJ name. Now, as I mentioned before, raid bosses have special mechanics that sort of set them apart and make the fights harder. It's things you got to learn before you can take them down. And Hakkar was no different. Hakar had a lot of mechanics, and one of them caused a bunch of issues. But before we get to that <laughs> one, Dan is going to take over and talk about the other mechanics of the fight. So I will set the stage for the fight. As Austin mentioned, you I have see
1: the first thing on this list this sounds fun. great. So I need you have
3: <laughs> So you have 5 high priests that yeah. you need to defeat before engaging Hakar. If you don't defeat them, he's got a bunch of crazy abilities that basically makes him an unstoppable juggernaut. When you clear them though, he comes down to about Three primary mechanics. The first one is a mind control. He will mind control random members of your raid. Does that make players actually up. fight each other? Your,
0: play, your <laughs> raid
3: members will run around killing your raid. That's so great. So you either either slaughter them or control them with like a crowd control ability, like you sheep them or okay. or
1: yeah, something yeah.
3: or fear them so that they don't <laughs> slaughter everyone. That's pretty good. Uh, another aspect was the blood siphon. Periodically, he would stun the entire raid and he would do kind of a health absorb from the raid and heal himself back up. Mm. So what you needed to do was he had these little NPCs that were called Suns Hikar, kind of mini versions of himself.
1: Are those your ads? Or... Yes, yeah, so okay. they were
3: ads. you needed to bring up to the fight. You needed to pull them up to his area, kind of at the top of the temple during the fight, kill them, and then they would drop kind of a pool of gas that okay. if you stood in it would give a debuff called Poisoned Blood. So everyone in the raid needed to kind of run... To at some point to get this debuff on themselves, run to the or pool or
1: otherwise they would yes. So sign. then when
3: he blood absorbs, mm-hmm. he poisons himself. Huh. Yeah, and now we'll get to the fun part is <laughs> you have to be careful about doing this grouping up and to run through these pools because he has one more ability <laughs> called corrupted blood it's where like he will the pier- STD you know,
1: like <laughs> he
2: fires it off
3: at a random person. He his STD uh, <laughs> and. It hits you with a burst of damage and then starts ticking a smaller damage dot over a long period of time. And, and if anyone gets near you, if you're not spread out, you pass this to other members of your raid like an STD. Yeah. Yes.
1: Now. Your swine flu just fucking. <laughs> Here is
2: where our oh, story. Avian... Wait,
1: Xavian flu? Yes. Is that the one? Okay. Sorry, I couldn't remember. <laughs> I Here is
2: remember. where our story gets interesting. Now everybody's got her Now, oops. this debuff, Corrupted Blood like Dan said, did a bunch of damage up front, and then it would slowly tick down damage. Now, damage right. is scaled for you to be level 60. It's not supposed to kill you, but it's supposed to be troubling, to say the You're least. You're in the raid, so... Yes. Like, uh, yeah. Um, and the debuff would spread, but it wouldn't just spread to players. There are classes in the game, warlocks and hunters, who have things called pets. And these pets can do damage for you. Now, the pets could also get the debuff. Oh. And if pets... Die or if they are dismissed, they basically go back into your spell book, I guess. Like into like a weird void where nothing is happening. Yeah. They get spawned into some Can weird every, void. I had a pet. Can every class have pets? Just hunters and warlocks. That's why I chose a hunter, that makes sense. <laughs> um, and since the raid was instanced, this thing was meant to do damage over a long period of time, like Dan said. And if you beat Hakar and you left the raid, you were cured of the corrupted blood. Okay. Similarly, there are classes that can cure diseases and remove debuffs. I'm not sure if that
3: one was removable. There's a version later on which we'll talk about that was curable. I don't think Hakar's was no, curable. No, it was curable. It was curable. Yes. Okay. Because was that the only
1: way to cure it? Or leave I the raid. I don't, okay.
3: I don't
2: remember exactly how long. It has a timer it on for. it. It does have a timer. It's a long timer. Mm. Okay. So the pets are going to be a problem, though, because <laughs> a bug was found in this mm-hmm. raid. And the bug was if a hunter or a warlock passed the corrupted blood onto their pet and then dismissed their pet back to this void and then they beat the raid left the instance and went back into the regular world and then recalled their pet, the pet would still have the corrupted blood debuff. (laughs) They would still have this disease. Yeah. This the parallels
1: between like real world stuff already is
2: caused like rats.
0: It really is. This caused a huge
2: problem because this thing was coded to exist with only within the raid. And it was meant to spread to everything. Everything that wasn't a car or his well, minions. Well, that's the thing. So.
3: They assume you're level sixty
2: if yeah. you're in the raid. You're so. sixteen in a raid. Cut off or anything else. That's so yeah. well, it's not a problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> but if let's just say let's give a hypothetical. Let's say you're a hunter. You dismiss your pet. He still has corrupted blood. You go back to Orgamar. You go to the auction house to sell some item you got. <laughs> you, bring you pull your, your, your pet wrap back place. out. <laughs> All of a sudden, he spreads it to everybody that's in the auction house, including the NPCs.
0: <laughs> the NPCs
2: who are coded to have so much health, they can't possibly be killed, but they can still receive oh the god. debuff. And since the debuff has no visual indicator, like you're not like turned yeah. red or anything, you there's no way to tell too. who has it and who doesn't. But- <laughs> similar to an STD. Um, oh my god.
1: I want to know who patient zero was. I, I know. wish there was some way to like archive
3: that to know. I mean, that's the beauty of, of the instancing compared to things like EQ is yeah. that could it could be anybody. It keeps, it keeps hitting you every yeah. time someone does it. And, and <laughs> Zelgarub reset every three days in kind of contrast to other raids. Yeah. So you're just going to keep getting slammed with this <laughs> as long as this goes on
1: imagine having no fucking idea contextually what any of that is and then just like <laughs> so
2: the disease spread like wildfire oh yeah um, high level players are able to withstand the damage they're meant to withstand the damage it's right. not something that you can just shrug off but it is something that you can live through low level like players on the other team. hand this thing did about, I want to say, 200 damage a second, oh, or so every was, two seconds. That had to be killing them. I think your right. health pool, my health pool as a level 30 priest is like 600. So that thing would kill me in six seconds, and I'm level 30. And no one can cure it either. You can cure it, and we'll get to that. Okay. There's a, I never did the raid, but there's a very distinct reason I know why okay. you can cure it. But I'm sure low-level players have no option. No sure level mo- players could not cure yeah. it, no. <laughs> The worst part about it, though, is that the only ways to lose this were to be cured, to leave the raid, which you couldn't do because you're not in the raid, raid or to die. (laughs) But because you have to go back to your body to respawn in WoW, (laughs) you are surrounded by other people who have the disease, so the second you respawn, you you instantly contract the disease again again. again. and then die again. Oh, that's great. Um, And this draws a lot of parallels to real-world diseases, with the one exception being that, in a real-world disease, if a city contracts a disease, unfortunately, everybody in that city is going to die, but the disease is going to die with them if you quarantine the the city. That doesn't happen when everybody's constantly respawning. Respawning. Man, imagine how bad diseases are if we all had extra life. In addition to that... (laughs) You can teleport You I mean... can teleport. Mages can set up portals to other areas. So they would oh, so just
1: spread it even more.
2: They would teleport <laughs> themselves out of the area and unknowingly spread it to a new area. Uh... Now, there have been scientific papers written about this wow bug. And I'm going to read a description of the plague from one of the scientific papers, which we will get to a little <laughs> bit later, but this is a great description. The pandemic plague that resulted is unique. Unlike previous virtual plagues that had been officially planned, this was a local effect that went out of control, a naturally occurring virtual outbreak. In the worlds of one player, what happened next was just plain weird. When infected adventurers returned to town at the end of their quest, they inadvertently passed around the corrupted blood infection to nearby. In short, the plague ravaged the population. Game administrators were baffled as they scrambled to quarantine areas of the game world. The disease quickly spread beyond their control, partially to blame was the game's feature that allowed players to teleport from one area to another and which made it possible for the plague to rapidly reach the most distant regions of the map. So visual, According to too. information from various internet blogs, several epidemiologic attributes enabled this uncontrolled dissemination of the disease. One was the lack of residual immunity following covalescence this enabled characters to be reinfected and re-enter the transmission cycle basically there's no immune system so you can you can re-get the disease if you've already had it the second characteristic was the infectivity to the virtual animals or pets. While pets were relatively resistant to the lethal effects of disease, they were (laughs) infective to other pets and humans, thus serving as a disease reservoir. (laughs) It's (laughs) cross-species. Continuous cycles of the disease between pets and humans could therefore allow the infection to simmer until the group reached densely populated areas. At least it can't mutate, right? Uh (laughs) Third, ill characters could teleport, thus introducing a disease with short infectivity period through large distances. Lastly, once the plague reached the cities, it did not just infect other players but also non-player characters providing a large bystander population that would also spread the disease (laughs) what a perfect setup now like so
3: that kind of you have like (laughs) some unique factors in that sense of the things that really how it can kind of get past and exist and you don't just burn out by killing all the people in the city you just have A continuous stream of reinfected people you have kind of the pets that are going to just pass things wherever they go and they can basically because they can be dismissed they can carry it for as long as you have that pet so you have the ability to even when it burns out to re-begin the cycle. Don't tell me people (laughs) had
1: to euthanize (laughs) there. Or even the
3: NPCs
0: couldn't if you anybody who would come to interact with an NPC would get it right? If they had it.
2: (laughs) I'm going to play a clip. Okay. It's only going to be audio, but you're going to hear a sound effect every time somebody takes damage, and you're going to hear a, Ugh! every time is, is, somebody is, dies. Is it like
1: Sonic drowning in the second? In... <laughs> Hold on. It's, it's haunting. <laughs> is it a whole bunch of different people in it? <laughs> <laughs> that isn't a recording from like the black plague during like
2: this all right <laughs> yeah, there's you so many the people <laughs> all the sound effects are people taking damage people dying and people resurrecting people and healing people oh man and then we have one image which i will show to you guys this
1: is be a part of the which thumbnail. is a
2: screenshot probably of one of the starting areas of the game Holy During fuck. the play those, <gasps> fucking... those are all skeletons <laughs> from dead bodies. Shit. Yeah, i, think had had to I before.
1: Render it. That's Oh my god, it's um, a graveyard. It is. It is an
2: <laughs> it's an absolute massacre. Now, as I said before, me and Dan went over this Death and Well, minor inconvenience. Can repeated Death and Well Makes the game unplayable. Yeah. If you die the second you respawn, then you're just basically walking as a ghost yeah. back to your death to make one foot of movement every <laughs> every time you respawn. It makes the game take about like oh, oh, a like hundred times the time to play. And
1: I wonder like what our timeline, like how quickly it took to go
2: from the patch to that picture. I wanna say it was somewhere within a week. <sighs> Couple days. You think someone got fired? I don't think so. Uh, no. You'll, we'll get to it. Okay. We'll get to it.
1: I mean, it's weird because it's like it's a small oversight, but also a really large one. Mm-hmm. Like it, it,
2: the
3: kind of thing as as a coder where you make certain assumptions about how yeah. things should work. Yeah, and and when, then when somebody breaks when things. It, don't yeah, work like... that way. Chaos ensues.
2: <laughs> yeah. Man. Now we're gonna get into it. This is where the real interesting part of this comes because. If you were playing a game and this happened to you, what would you do? Log off? Maybe, maybe. Right? If I, if I, I was know. playing,
1: if I was playing with people, I'd like maybe struggle to find a solution. But I think okay. if I, I think the second
2: like, so therein lies the rub. <laughs> but, um, but I think
1: like the more and more like frustrated, I would just be like, fuck
2: this. Yes. <laughs> like, um, so, players started fleeing the cities to avoid death, but in doing so, they brought the plague out of the cities of and into the rest of the world. People started setting up quarantine areas to help Ooh. keep say, players safe, but they were breached by players trying to flee the plague. Oh, that's horrifying. Or by players who had infected pets and didn't know it that brought them into quarantine areas. Oh,
0: no. Because they How were could unaware.
2: How set up quarantine areas? You just had players
0: killing other players on the edges? Or I mean, what? basically. Yeah. yeah,
2: like you'd know if an area was safe and then you just wouldn't um, let people in. As I said, there were healers in the game who were equipped with the ability to cure the debuff. Oh man, they were like Um, the true medics of this. And many healers (laughs) set up healing stations where players wait in line to have the disease healed. Just imagine
1: people in line like this. The problem
2: was the disease spread too fast which not only caused those healed to immediately contract the disease again, but it caused the healers themselves to contract the disease and die, and then they they became carriers for the disease. This Um, is a horror movie. Players were passing the diseases, like I said, to NPCs in the town, and the NPCs functioned sort of like asymptomatic carriers, since it was impossible to tell if an NPC had it. There were no visual indicators.
1: That's the craziest part. Yeah. Yeah,
2: Like, I didn't know that. Yes. Um, and so, that basically spread it to anybody that was left. And then on top of that, you That's what you makes have... it a
1: true disease. Like, imagine if they just, like, colored your character yeah. in a certain way, and then everyone knew, where it's like, well, those people that are glowing blue, like, we know that they're fucked up, but, like, you, you can't even do that. It's a real disease. Like, it's...
2: <laughs> On top of that, you have so-called, dubbed by scientists, not by me, terrorist players <laughs> who specifically went into areas with the debuff oh when God. they could handle it to spread it to low-level when players. something
0: <laughs> Because Goons they thought
2: hold it was funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it is funny, but that's so fucked up. Not only that, <laughs> but in addition to that, you had a system where players would mark themselves as diseased <laughs> to let players not come scarlet near them. Letter. But that didn't work because some players with the disease just didn't wouldn't know. mark themselves. Yeah. Man. Or or just wouldn't.
1: Man, um, this reminds me of that alternate in the pandemic board game. There's like a, a bioterrorist
2: mode. Pretty much. Um, Now, you asked me how long it took to get to this point. I don't actually know. But I do know that it went on for about a month. Until That's a long wow. time for
1: like the biggest game in the world. October yeah. October
2: eighth, yeah. two thousand five. Nobody um, could go to cities for a month. <laughs> Blizzard performed a hard reset on all affected servers Oof. and patched the game so that pets could no longer contract corrupted blood, did that, like, making it impossible for the plague to life? leave the raid. Man, it did. It had the the yeah. servers went down. They reset the world. Everybody that you know, because the world is that meant to be semi permanent. Consequence to stuff. Value, like, yeah. yeah. Now, as I've said before At least people kept their pets. Yes. I thought it was
1: gonna be like hey, like we patched out all the <laughs>
2: Yeah, As totally I said, we had
1: to
3: uh,
2: euthanize old Yeller. Yeah. <laughs> As I said before, this is not just an interesting story for us to tell on our podcast. This was actually a very interesting story for epidemiologists, people yeah. that study the spread of infectious disease, because thanks to modern medicine, epidemics are very rare. Yeah. We don't often have a lot of infectious plagues that spread like this in the real world. What was the last big one? Avian flu. Avian
1: flu? Yeah. yeah. What, what? in here? No, no, no! Just uh, in general, okay. like when you like
2: Ebola, when, Ebola. It, yeah. So the thing yeah, is, I don't know. I was trying to get the last th- time They're I saw rare, the news, like... but that doesn't mean we don't need to be prepared for. Of course, it. Yeah. if something comes up, we have to be prepared. I now, said s- I saw Contagion. That was the new. scientists <laughs> have mathematical models for how they would prepare, how the disease would spread. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that math can account for is the behavior of Of human beings. That's
1: what Dan was saying as a programmer. It's like you make things a certain way and all it takes is for something to not work the way it was intended because of how somebody reacted. And this is
3: really the difficult thing and not just in kind of plague scenarios, but people who do work on kind of robotics, who are working on like network distributed robotics systems yeah. have similar issues is they need find ways to have each kind of individual in, in this distributed system have like a set of rules to follow they, and then kind of. Simulate by r- running each of these individuals with their own rules. How are they all going to interact when this system's running that's simultaneously? That's like an impossible
1: amount of tests that
3: you would have to do. Uh, yeah. and that's really the difficulty in this kind of thing. Is how if you're trying to model something, how do you model a complex system that's going to? I don't know. With yeah, that takes somebody
1: way more exactly. knowledgeable and equipped than me. To... That's
3: what makes this such a interesting <laughs> case study. Is yeah. that it provides something like that? that yeah. That's kind
2: of cool, though. That this is now like so, yeah no matter how a disease spreads you can make all the mathematical models you want for how the disease would be contracted how it would go over the airports and people traveling by plane bringing it to different countries but you can never account for the behavior of people that is imagine a real that world impossible like renegade that wants to, to mathematically heels. model <laughs> and that's where wow comes in yeah so back when this episode was in its inception dan linked me to one scientific paper which is where I got the quote that explained the plague earlier. Right. This is by Rand Balliser, who is the director of the Clayt Research Institute, which is in Israel. And he draws a lot of parallels to the real world and explains how this incident can actually help scientists kind of model more how humans would interact and would react in a plague situation. (laughs) That's beautiful. <laughs> um, here is his quote. Okay. Some events in this outbreak are surprisingly similar to recent emergent infections. Now, this is 2006. This paper was written. Keep okay. that in mind. The role of an asymptomatic yet infective animal reservoir, for instance, is evident in the avian influenza. Asymptomatic ducks had an important role in allowing this otherwise relatively lethal avian disease to become an epidemic in East Asia and spread to other parts of the world. Furthermore, attempts by game administrators to quarantine infected areas proved futile <laughs> due to the ability of characters to rapidly trans- teleport to distant lands. This is very similar to the role air travel yeah. played in the rapid global spread of severe acute respiratory syndrome, also known as yeah, SARS. That's
1: why I used that earlier. Yep, or in the, the modern *Planet of the Apes* movies. Yeah, yes,
2: <laughs> like the real world. Yeah, the study. I only know movies. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, the study is obviously not perfect. However, as we've said, the game is ultimately a game. It's still useful, but here's a quote, his quote, about it being a game. While the parallels with a real-world outbreak are striking, the artificial nature of the game limits them as models for the real world and might even lead to misleading conclusions about real infectious outbreaks. The mixing patterns and interactions among the game figures may be considerably different for those in the real life and would depend heavily on the rules and goals of the game. The most obvious example would be risk-taking behavior of virtual characters, which depends heavily on the penalties of death or illness and the availability of game-saving or logging off. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say logging off, but right. I'm adding that because right. that's yeah, yeah. basically what he's... You don't save your game and WoW, you idiot scientist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> despite it's the, like your dad being like, he's he's just pause it, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what's your degree worth, you <laughs> scientist? <laughs> despite these limitations, there could be advantages to studies in virtual worlds. The mixing patterns of behavior observed in the game can be precisely measured and accounted for without the use of epidemiologic problems of incomplete ascertainment or loss to follow-up. Furthermore, the rules and environment could potentially be adjusted to allow better modeling of specific real-life scenarios. Admittedly, this approach depends on the ability to make these changes without undermining the essential pleasures of the game. (laughs) Expert modelers of infectious disease might consider collaborating with game administrators such collaborations could harness the immense computational power invested in these economically driven large-scale virtual environments, while allowing simulations more wide-ranging than any options currently available to us. The game administrators eventually cured the plague with a spell that distributed rapidly to players in mass. if only real life were so simple. <laughs> You're telling me a cure and a spell isn't like the... No. Additionally, there are a lot of papers about this. That is the only one we have public access to, because... Why would you give public access to academic papers when they want to learn? you got to <laughs> charge money for that. Um, Wait, really? Yeah. The what? So there's another paper by Eric Lofgren and Nina Pfefferman, and I want to say thanks to a website called allthatsinteresting.com because they have like clips that. from the paper because I had to pay for it and I don't want to. How much was it? I don't know. It's probably journal access uh, costs. Uh, yeah, you have to pay like, like a, a subscription. subscription. Yeah. yeah, you get access like a bunch of different Yeah. <laughs> you think it's uh, more or less than a WoW
1: subscription? Probably more. Probably more. Uh, (laughs) Okay, never
2: mind. (coughs) Behavioral responses are simply hard to predict. In their joint paper, this is from allthat'sinteresting.com, so this is their words. In their joint paper, Pfefferman and Lofgren discuss how role-playing games display social chaos in a way mathematical (laughs) models cannot.
1: Yes. Throughout
2: the corrupted blood incident, players acted in irrational ways that (laughs) epidemiology (laughs) models would not account for. As a result, Fefferman has since incorporated these reactions into her simulations and has begun working with Blizzard to model virtual pandemics and other games oh for God. further data collection and research. I like that, that's great. I was just thinking about that while you were talking about it, it'd be cool to do that
0: nowadays, like, alright, we're doing a month-long event, okay, yeah. like introduce a plague into a game that has the consequences How to that, defeat like, it? or like something like a zombie-like thing where it's like, okay, if you catch it, you yeah. can't play anymore. Like, yeah. now your character is oh, just, that's so good. you can log in and watch your character like walk around. Thing, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you can log in and just watch your character walk around, but like, you can't play, that way there's like real consequences right. they didn't go that
2: hard but we will get to that they did do that That's Chris you
3: sound a little congested
2: You're a little cr- yeah, I'm fucked uh, you, up. you definitely... got a little corrupted blood going on inside <laughs> yeah. <of it. laughs>
1: yeah I do
3: <laughs> you could definitely simulate I think the theme of what these epidemiologists are really highlighting is that the punishment of death Probably wasn't high enough yeah. and it went out to be a yeah. perfect simulation. You had, ironically, something closer to EQ's level of like. <laughs> I, I, oh, it, God!
1: The it, worst it, disease that turned the MMO yeah, Everybody's
3: on. level one at the end of it. You would definitely have a more realistic simulation For sure. if you had more punishing death. If yeah. you had more punishing death, really. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So let's make an MMO where your death is. So, yeah,
2: the, they <laughs> the game was studied a lot because of this. But. You know, we obviously don't know the effects of those studies because luckily we haven't had too bad of an outbreak in the real world for them to put them to the test. Yeah. But we do have a lasting effect on World of Warcraft and Blizzard as a whole. Uh, I mean, and it's not what you'd expect. Randy said yeah. that people would be mad about it, but in reality it wasn't like that.
1: I mean, I was thinking from the perspective also of just sheer numbers, like how many people were. Like, I wonder if they have any of that data. And it's probably be impossible to actually, like,
2: I can tell you this Collect much. It, but I can tell you this much. The game had about a little over two million subscribers at the point that the Hakar raid came out. Right. And the numbers did not seem to go down after this happened. Okay. They only went up. As we said, it went to eight million by the time Burning Crusade came out.
1: Maybe players were a little more forgiving back
2: then. Yes, I think <laughs> anything that tells a good
3: story. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that, worth maybe it that, that is so, true. That. So that's incredibly interesting. One um, <laughs> might almost say you could make a podcast about
2: something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be stupid. Yeah, <laughs> um, who would listen to that? Definitely not me. As, as, what, as happens in video games with big no, scale events. Like this. This is brilliant. Uh, many players were obviously annoyed at the time because they were paying a monthly subscription and it took a month for this bug to go away. It's um, a long time. But a lot of players look back on this experience fondly. Yeah. And MMOs are all about social Shit. experiences. Shared yeah. social experiences. Yes. Shared social experiences. And there's and boy, nothing was this one. that brings yeah. people together more than a plague. That is true. <laughs> this is like a wow history book. Like. Essentially. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but there are people who look at this as sort of WoW's first big in-world event, which is oh, weird. which is
1: what a lot of big
2: MMOs do now. Because right? it wasn't planned, but a lot of people... Wait, did this it...
1: narratively like work itself into that game in the future? In some... No, oh. kind of. We'll yeah. get to okay. it. Um, that would be cool, though.
2: <laughs> in a way. Uh, in, a okay. way okay. in a way. Right. But our old pal Jeff Kaplan was a part of the team when this whole thing went down. And he took this idea and ran with it later when an event came out in the lead-up to Wrath of the Lich King. In which there were, as our friend Chris Nudeboom, former guest, put it, smelly crates. Crates <laughs> that kind of just looked like gross. Like they stank mm-hmm. lines on them? But you could them? click on them. <laughs> and okay. if you click on them, you would get infected and you would turn into a zombie. Oh. And then from that point on, you would be marked. You would turn into a zombie. Your character model would change and you would be marked for death by both factions. Huh. But they modeled this so that it wasn't 100% transmission rate. You could bite people and turn them... But there was also a small percent chance that being around you could turn them into a zombie. So players who became zombies realized... Well, if there's a small percent chance that being around us turns us into zombies, if we group together, that percentage chance is a lot higher. so this time they intentionally planned the... (laughs) Which then led to a bunch of people hoarding together as giant hordes of zombies and running around the land trying to infect
1: everybody. Oh, that's what I would do. Uh, Yeah.
2: Um, And obviously this was part of the lore because the Lich King's all about reviving the dead. And this was a big event and it was like the more fun version of Corrupted Blood. There were a lot of people who still were like, eh, I didn't really like that event. I kind of just wanted to play WoW, but a lot of people were like, that was really cool. Yeah, I think it's cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we also have another instance, and this one, again, was not planned. In January of 2017, which would have been right after Legion came out, or uh... is t- Legion 2016? No, Legion
3: was absolutely. I'm trying to think if that. Uh... That'd have
2: been Warlords of Draenor? Yeah. I'm okay. Oh, if... Cataclysm's old. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's like 2010 or 11. So there was another instance, this time called the Sunwell Plateau, which had a boss in it, not the final boss, but a boss, which had a debuff called Burn. And this burn could spread to players. Whoa, really? And, oh, really? Oh, th- I'm surprised. It could spread to pets and those pets could be put away and leave the instance and then come out and start burning players in the cities. Wow. Except this time, <laughs> this time the game masters were ready as Blizzard had programmed, if this ever happened again, Blizzard had programmed in a thing where you could basically server-wide cure any debuffs and they beat their time of the stuff. instead of a month I guess <laughs> and they released a hot fix one day later
1: that seems more deliberate like they kind of wanted to show that they could
3: I mean the interesting
2: oh, thing yeah,
1: is like, really I wonder
3: if they ever had to do that the Sunwell was released as the last raid of the Bruning Crusade expansion In so, 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 did, it, did it take like 10 years, have, years to like... so someone I guess that's interesting that, to wonder if it was there all along or developed but yeah. someone was going back through an old raid I suppose huh. and then discovered or do they I mean, they're do still that. playable. Either
0: that, yeah, they are or, still playable. Players yeah. do do Blizzard that. Blizzard set it up, or could it be that the update changed something in the code? That's what I was wondering, like, yeah. if, they, if
1: they went
2: back and then, like... Yeah, I'm not sure. But one last effect, which is the one that brought this whole thing to my attention. I like this. It's, like, cross... Yeah. Uh... This was on purpose. <laughs> yeah. So Hearthstone released an expansion called the Rastakhan Rumble, and these high priests that Dan were talking about were... Released as cards, and one of the cards also that was released was Hakkar the Soul Flayer. (laughs) Now, for those of you who don't know how Hearthstone works, it's a card game. They have a thing called Death Rattle. It's in the
1: same universe as the Warcraft. Where if a monster is
2: killed, Mm -hmm. an effect will take place once they are killed. And Hakkar was such a card where he had a Death Rattle. When he was killed, another card would be spawned called Corrupted Blood that would be shuffled into each player's deck. When that card was no. drawn, it would then deal damage to the player's hero and shuffle two more Corrupted Bloods into that player's deck. Mm. Eventually getting to the point where if you let the game go on long enough, your deck would be nothing but Corrupted <laughs> Blood, and, you and just... then you would draw the card... Deal damage. It would shuffle two more. You would draw another card. It would deal damage. Shuffle two more. And then it spread to other people's decks and other games. And then <laughs> no. But hold on. There is another mechanic in Hearthstone. The which are called card backs. Basically, when you're playing against somebody, you can't see their hand. You can only see the backs of the cards. Yeah. And one of the ways that they kind of monetize Hearthstone is they have like cool looking card backs. Every month you get a new card back yeah, if you're yeah, yeah. ranked above a certain amount. And to celebrate Hakar coming into Hearthstone. Finally, they released a card back called Mark of Hakar. Now, when you're making a deck Mark of Hakar, you have a default card back. And usually it's just the Hearthstone card back, the default one. But they didn't just give Mark of Hakar to everybody. They gave Mark of Hakar to one person who was a developer oh. and then he played it. And if you played against somebody that had like that Borderlands achievement. If you played against somebody that had the Mark of Hakar card back, you would then not only get the Mark of Hakar card back, but it would automatically be set to the default and automatically be set (laughs) to the card back for all your decks. Oh my god. And then if you just let matchmaking go and just kept playing without changing it back, you would then spread it to other players. How long did it take for... Less than 24 hours. For every single (laughs) Hearthstone? (laughs) Not every single, but the vast. That's great. That is good. Almost 100% of active Hearthstone players. players, got it within 24 hours. So you got it. Right? I got it. Yeah, <laughs> and it is still to this day my default card. Back. Yes, I never changed it. That's great. Does it still do the effect? Yes. If a new player joins <laughs> Hearthstone yes. after so that funny. and you play with them, it still spreads to them and it still sets their default. That's awesome. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> once you have it, though, it doesn't default here because that'd be annoying if you kept playing against other people and it kept resetting all the cards. No, their card. bad. no I'm just once, once, you,
2: once you've had it, it no longer takes that effect. Yeah, <laughs> that's good though. But yeah. I remember we started talking about this episode the day that expansion came out because I was like, who's Hakkar? And Dan explained the whole story to me. And then later he was like, he explained Corrupted Blood and then we were kind of like, I was kind of like, you want to do an episode of Hot Button? And he was like, yeah, we could do it about the Corrupted Blood. And I was like, all right. Yeah, so. I, had, I had a oh, yeah. long
1: drive with a uh, friend of ours that we referenced already early in this episode with Conroy and he was like telling me about it. And it's like,
2: it was like fascinating. I was like, yeah.
1: I was like, I do not even play WoW and I'm just like, I'm like totally entranced by yes. this story. It's it great. Is.
2: Definitely the most influential game bug of all time, I'd say. Yeah, (laughs) probably. Um, But yeah, World of Warcraft is without question one of the most important games ever made. It has shaped gaming into what it is today. You know, like I said, there's copycats were all over the place in the early 2010s and late 2000s, but Age of Conan. While we don't have copycats, (laughs) yeah, while we don't have copycats like that now, there are still games that are still. To this day, every game is a service, and every game wants you to keep playing. And that all comes yeah. from WoW.
1: Yeah, Thanks, WoW. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Not only that, but people are so nostalgic for those early days of World of Warcraft that WoW Classic came out recently and has revitalized the 15-year-old MMO. I think I read something that it like tripled or quadrupled their subscriber numbers when WoW Holy Classic shit. came out. I, they, I believe they, it. They yeah. were back down. I think they were back down to around 2 million, and now it's back up to like 8 or something like <laughs> Damn. that. Damn. Um, that's wild. A bug got, like this, they got
0: you. They got all of you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they got the they got the blood. A bug like this in any other game might have been written off as annoying. It might have even landed the company in hot water. People yeah. on Reddit looking probably would legacy. be complaining. Yeah, looking at the legacy of episodes you know? we've done, this one is a way different. Companies would have to apologize and give currency out to their players <laughs> or whatever happens. Now daily
1: tweet updates. Yeah, <laughs> Damn,
2: we still might. Classic is still on pace to release Zelgrub. I, so I was talking, the... to, to, oh, I, to, to, to <laughs> I was talking to to Chris again. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to Chris last night, our other old guest, about this, and I was like, "Do you think they're going to keep this bug in?" And he's like, "No." And I was like, "I kind of hope they I do." I kind of hope
1: they do, because imagine there are probably people that wouldn't know again. Like, yeah. That's the thing.
2: <laughs> but yeah, it, it just goes to show that people cared so much about this world and their WoW characters. That they didn't just log off; they fought this plague yeah, together. Yeah. They That's banded together. Awesome. Some of them turned into terrorists. You know, uh, I love um, the
1: medic stations
2: thing. Yeah. That's great. wow! Not only shaped the way we look at MMOs or even online gaming, but it has shaped the way we look at humanity mm-hmm. and how it behaves in the most unthinkable of scenarios. Yeah, fucking a. And that is our episode. <laughs>
1: That's brilliant. I almost have a weird, like, FOMO that I wasn't a part of it. I know, way. it's weird. Yeah,
3: like, <laughs> yeah, it happened before, because I'm pretty sure after our, I was after the AQ20 and 40 when I did Classic, but I did do the Wrath of the Lich King.
1: The zombie thing?
3: Yeah, so you yeah. know what they
1: need? <laughs> Blitz needs to put a memorial in the game or something like that. Like,
3: <laughs> like just like that. Yeah. <laughs> All it I'm, I'm lost. really <laughs> curious to see if they do anything when they release Zellgrub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, that was good. That was yeah. fun. I was super into that. That was a fun. Yeah, podcast thank you very much for coming here and being yeah. on here with us. Yeah, thanks it's... for
2: thanks for helping us tell this
3: story. Yes, it was quite delightful. Once I was actually kind of getting into and thinking about what things to talk about. It, uh, it's always really...
2: good to get some like direct. You know, like yeah. But yeah, thank you. Cool, Dan, for stopping in. Let's do some plugs and then we'll be out of here. Yes. Yeah. Let's Um, toss up some plugs. So when this comes out, next week will be our 50th episode and our one year anniversary. Oh my God. Wait, it'll be both? Yeah. How do we time that out? We missed a week and then we also had the E3 episode, which wasn't numbered.
1: Was the live one numbered? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we number the E3 one?
2: don't worry about it it worked out right? <laughs> it worked out <laughs> all
1: right, all right. Uh, um, shut up
2: all right. Right. <laughs> but uh yeah stay tuned for that our idea is going to be to go back through our old episodes and make some corrections and give some updates as yes these yeah, stories are often them. constantly evolving and the permanence of the podcast medium doesn't allow us to update episodes so that'll be our little update cast yeah. um if this is your first episode listening. Thanks for listening. We have 48 other episodes. <laughs> no, I think we have 50 other episodes, uh, yeah. including the commentary and the... Oh, yeah, yeah the commentary as well. But um, you can go back and listen to those. Those are all available at hotbuttoncast.com, which is our website. That website also has links to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play.
1: A bunch of other shit I've never YouTube, heard of. YouTube,
2: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can follow us on all the socials to keep you updated on our podcast and getting information about new episodes yeah that's all at hot button cast and yeah all instagram facebook twitter at hot button cast i mean that's it thanks for listening
1: thank you everybody thank you dan thank you (laughs) (laughs) oh i think i feel the blood coming on